Welcome to Peer Pressure. Our guest is John Gallagher of Raven, bass player and vocalist. You'll hear his take on growing up, seeing live shows in England, status quo's denim army, and how to keep it heavy. Thanks to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the background work that it takes to get the podcast up. Stay tuned. John Gallagher, are you there? I'm here. How are you doing? I am good. I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining us here. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. <laughs> Can you just uh, get the listeners up to speed on what, what's happening with Raven at the moment? Well, we're dangling our feet in the water at the minute. We did a bunch of shows early in the year. You know, we did these 70,000 tons of metal. Which was awesome. Thing, which was uh, a lot of fun. And then we did a couple of U.S. shows out on the West Coast. And then did some stuff up on the East Coast, digging, off, digging ourselves through the snow. And then my brother's got some operations scheduled on his knees, which, uh, you know, he's been having problems ever since 2001 when that goddamn wall fell on top of him so he's still having stuff done on that wow so we've just been taking the time to to write we've been writing a whole bunch of stuff and he is getting himself together we're going to be doing a couple of shows in italy and in spain a little later in the year oh perfect and then planning out what we're up to for next year so it's uh it's good as this year yeah, it's great. Well, we wish Mark a uh, a healthy recovery and uh, success on uh, the surgeries he's got to undergo. Yeah. And uh, and can't wait for you guys to uh, to and get I, back. When he's done, he just doesn't go skiing again and break his bloody legs again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get a feeling that your brother is somebody who maybe doesn't always take everybody's advice. Yeah, he was scheduled to have this operation done and he actually went skiing in I think it was March and he broke his other ankle oh lord you're not kidding I know <laughs> it's, uh, unbelievable wow wow so, may have to put it off until the ankle healed so they could go in and do the other knee <laughs> mm. <laughs> a lot of fun yeah. yeah well I mean you guys are especially early on very known for being a very physical band it's day one, it's true. It's uh, a blessing and a curse for yeah. what you do. This is how we feel the music and this is how we deliver it. Living up to the uh, the persona for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, and thanks for joining us. The first song that we're going to hear off of your playlist today, would you like to introduce that and tell oh, me why you chose it? This is uh, one of the greatest recorded moments in rock history. This is a Highway Star by Deep Purple from the Made in Japan album, which I just love because it's especially compared to the studio version, which is pretty straightforward. This is just unrestrained lunacy. Five people soloing at once, basically. But, you know, like a group mind thing, it's just amazing. And of course, the, the first few songs we're going to be playing, these are ones that we used to play as kids in the clubs. We used to play Highway Star last song and smash everything up. <laughs> so let's smash everything up as you listen to Highway Star. Awesome. And uh, Unrestrained Lunacy is a perfect way to go into this track. Thank you, John Gallagher. We'll be back. 
co-host there. John, would you like to uh, expand on the track Rock the Nation? Oh, those guys, classic, classic, classic. Yeah, we were kids at school, it was uh, a music paper, it was disc, it was like three music papers, it was Sounds, which was great, New Musical Express, which was horrible, yeah. and there was Disc, which was in between, and they had a, a flexi-disc with like three Montrose songs, and we heard this, and it blew our minds, everyone at school was like, who are these guys? And they were on English TV on the old Grey Whistle Test, which I think you can find on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, for us back there, they had the same impact that Van Halen did a few years later. Uh, funnily enough, they had the same producer and engineer. <laughs> and, of course, later on, the same singer. But that's another story altogether. <laughs> but, uh, no, that definitely heavy in our musical DNA was the Montrose. And we used to play a lot of the songs off that album when we were kids. We used to play Bad Motor Scooter, which, of course, we ended up covering on our last album as an extra track for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to do uh, Rock Candy, we used to do Make It Last, all that great stuff, great, great stuff. Yeah, we used to play these uh, working men's clubs in the north of England. Very, you know, these guys would be working all day, they'd have this club where they could get cheap beer, play bingo, and for some reason rock bands would play. It was a great education because you had to entertain these people or they'd let you know in no uncertain terms that you were rubbish. Oh, did you get things thrown at you? Well, they used to come up with things like beer mats and they used to put the, you know, like a coaster and they used to put like requests on and quite often the requests were, well, I can't really put that there without like an operation, you know? They <laughs> tell you to go do stuff to yourself. And that. Was, I uh, see. A very uh, creative crowd. Gradually, we, gradually we, you know, we won them over and developed quite a following all over the northeast with them. But they were the same places where bands like Saxon, who at the time were called uh, Son of a Bitch, mm-hmm. they cut their teeth playing them. And Judas Priest, oh, you look wow. at the Judas Priest DVD Metalworks, you see them at, uh, I think it's Easington Colliery Club. They mm-hmm. actually go there and meet one of the old guys that used to, you know, book them and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, wow. there's a whole, a whole circuit of that. It's crazy. And we used to play half our own stuff and half covers. Wow, very cool. And when did you um, come to the U.S. first? Ooh, 1982, Halloween, was the original Halloween Headbangers Ball in Staten Island. We played a show, it was us, Anvil, and Riot. Oh. And then we played like another four shows with Anvil. Mm. Right after that. So that's how you know, we've been you know, friends with those guys. Ever. Did you feel that coming to the U.S. was a, was a, uh, a turning point for Raymond? Uh, oh, absolutely. We were definitely had a, a lot of problems with the setup we had in the UK with our record label because you know they were incredibly cheap they never wanted to give us any money it was always a problem trying to get out on the road to do stuff we were forever hanging around going why can't we why can't we why can't we and then we ran into some people in the states here that you know they did that they wanted to bring it over the following year which they did and we had this young unknown band called Metallica open up for us yes they did that's right we did that whole thing in the 83. Uh, 83 was a really good year for us. Mm-hmm. On record, we did a lot of touring in Europe, and of course, that whole thing in the States. 
and then eventually in 84 was, we came over for good pretty much even though we didn't know it at the time we were just planning to come over and tour until we got a record deal which took most of the year or better or worse we got it <laughs> exactly exactly well that's just you know that's just the way it went and and do you have any stories or any recollection about like metallica opening opening for you oh yeah i mean uh it was a lot of fun they were uh Bunch of crazy kids. The only guy that had his head on his shoulder probably was uh, Cliff, who was a, a little older, mm. a little bit more worldly. And uh, me and him got on great. We just sit there and you know play our basses and show each other riffs. Oh wow! Like that. James was very quiet. He just had a smile on his face. He was drinking beer constantly. Mm-hmm. Kurt was pretty friendly. Lars was always into everything, wanted to learn everything, wanted to know everything. It knew one end of a drunk hit from the other, but it never slowed him down. Yet. <laughs> that is very yeah, seventeen. Seventeen people in a six-birth Winnebago. Oh, wow! There's a tight squeeze. Yeah, it was uh, mental. <laughs> totally mental. Well, that's one way to get close. No, yeah, the smell, the smells of rock and roll. There you go. <laughs> yeah, somebody should put out a scratch and sniff record. Uh, once Cliff tore the door off the bathroom in the Winnebago, we spent most of our time in the back of the truck. <laughs> oh, goodness. Because <laughs> even that was more comfortable and smelled better. Oh, I can imagine. Wow. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so the, uh, the you next... You never live till you've drove, driven through New Mexico in the summer in the back of the, the, back of the truck at 110 degrees. A lot of fun. Oh, oh. Well, maybe some of us would prefer to live a different way. We'll, we'll just let you be, tell be us about included. it. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks, John. So the uh, the next track we've got off of the Pile Driver Pile record. Pile Driver yeah. record. Yes, this is an English band, which uh, a lot of people might not know yet. Status quo, uh, an institution. Mm, I never knew it was pronounced status. Yeah, everyone says status quo, no, it's status quo, that's oh. English pronunciation. Thank you. Uh, I like a boogie band, you know, two guitars, bass, drums, everything goes da 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 all the way through. We used to get made fun for that all the time. Mm-hmm. So they had a fanatical following, and they were like the original, you know, the denim army, everyone that would come out and see them, and everyone would go crazy at the shows. And that was one of the first, it's probably the second or third show I ever saw, was the status quo show in 74. And wow. they were one of the few bands that were on TV that had hits. And, you know, between them and Slade, that's what started us to want to be in a band. Again, we had fun with this a few years ago. We did a cover of the song and put it on the One For All album. This next extra track. Oh. But this uh, Big Fat Mama. Let's uh, hear some status quo. My guest is John Gallagher of uh, Raven. He's picking the tracks today. Yes. Please. All the good. All the good. Please stay tuned. Back to back, that was Slade in like a shot. 
And preceding Slade, we heard Big Fat Mama from Status Quo's Pile Driver record. Anything you want to say about the two of those, or at least the the Slade track, John? Yeah, the Slade track. That that was the the first record I ever bought as a kid was Slade Alive. Wow. A live album that's just, even now, it's just unique. It's just so raw and powerful and out of control. And a lot of the songs are quite long, so I picked a slightly shorter one and just it's home there and Jimmy Lee's a huge influence for me for playing bass because he's just all over the place a lot of distortion a lot of high notes mm-hmm. a, lot of a complete short love it <laughs> <laughs> well that I, I would say that probably is picks up your style a little bit showing off and yeah mm-hmm. now we started playing that song in soundcheck so who was it might turn up one of these days on the record yeah, they, we saw them 1973, the peak of the fame in England. I mean, they had like 11 number one singles in a row or something. They were like hugely popular. Mm. And they did tour America, but it, they never quite broke through until much later on when they had the Run Runaway song. Oh, right, the the, the Power Supply uh, record, Keep Your Hands Jimmy Off. Lee got sick and they ended up breaking up, basically, so it never happened. Mm. But... Uh, hugely influential band incredibly entertaining and I mean Noddy Holder has a voice it's like uh, you know like a cutthroat razor <laughs> yeah yeah that's true very distinctive nobody's got that that no, power. yeah and thank I don't actually know this record and we have it no. here in the in the FMU library and I dug it out and I'm like look at this wow no, very yeah, cool that is an excellent record yeah no, I got to see them one about three or four times. They there was a period when they weren't doing so well before they got popular again in nineteen eighty. I think I think it was like nineteen seventy eight or seventy nine. Mm-hmm. And they, the university in Newcastle. And you had to be a student to get in, so I just stood outside the door for an hour until somebody would sign me in. And boy they were amazing. They were wow. amazing. Really, really excellent. Very great. We were very lucky in Newcastle because it's the, the main hall there, the city hall. The only hall held like 2,000 people. So, unlike in the States, you know, uh, most people go to see a show at a 10,000 seat arena and you're up in the nose of seats with a telescope. Uh, even at the worst seat where we were, you had a great view of the stage and you could see what was going on. That was our MTV and YouTube. That's how we learned to play and, you know, saw how people. You know, conducted themselves on stage as it were. Mm-hmm. We got to see, you know, we voraciously saw every band that came through town, and everybody did. You know, Fuji, Status Quo, Slade, uh, whether, you know, Cheap Trick, Rainbow, Queen, Thin Lizzy, everybody. Wow. What was one of the uh, the greatest live shows you've ever witnessed? Uh, well, that first show was Slade. The opening band is the band called the Sensational Alex Harvey Band. Oh, uh, wow. That was uh, just mind-blowing, both those bands. Uh, we were very lucky. We saw a lot of really, really cool shows. I, ca- I camped out in the snow to see Rainbow. <laughs> you Rainbow. what? Camped out in the snow on the <gasps> steps of the hall in order to get the tickets. Oh, my night. goodness. Yep. Good for you. Good for you. That's yeah. awesome. That was cool. Well, pe- Very cool. <laughs> Bloody freezing, actually. But they- <laughs> well, you know, and it's a different day and age. It's like people are used to having music delivered to them now. You know, people, I, I, I don't know if the youth of today would 
necessarily camp out in the snow. And uh, that's, a, that's a great, a great demonstration of what it meant to you and, and what was really going on at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other, the other venue, which was a nightclub, which you had to be 18 and over to get in when we were finally old enough to get in there, the Mayfair Ballroom was famous. Similar capacity, but uh, we we used to offer to, uh, you know, basically bring the gear in so we get free tickets and got to see oh. UFO. Oh, uh, wow. ACDC always played there as well. We've got a, I have ACDC's autographs floating around somewhere in the book. Way back when, we're born. Wow, really? Wow. I used to play this place and you couldn't move, you couldn't breathe. There were so many people in there. Mm. And jammed beyond capacity. And they'd come on and just blow the place up. <laughs> <laughs> Very great. So you said that you um, you also had seen Cheap Trick in that era, because I believe that that's the uh, the next track we're heading towards. Yeah, the Cheap Trick, I'd, I'd read about it with some music magazine. You read this music magazine, it mentioned about its band coming to play England, and the, the guy had like, a, a, like 20, 30 guitars on stage. And there was a couple of pictures, and they looked crazy. And he had a, a bass player, a 12-string bass that he'd invented, that he'd made. So that was right up my alley. What is this all about? Got to hear some of the songs. It's like you know, heavy but poppy at the same time. So mm -hmm. they played at the Mayfair Ballroom. We went down there and they were just nuts, totally out of control. You got Robin Sander in his white suit. He just comes on, takes the jacket off, throws it on the lighting rig, but promptly it starts burning. You got Tom Peterson with his one-of-a-kind 12-string bass, and you got Rick Nielsen with his number one Hamer Explorer guitar prototype first ever made. They look at each other with an evil look and then just smash the guitars off each other. Oh, my God. We were like, this is it. The guy goes crowd surfing in the middle of a bass solo and comes back up, throws the bass on the ground, punks at another one, Rudy gets him another one. It was just our thing right there. We say, yeah, he is. His kindred spirits. <laughs> wow. Wow. Very, very exciting show. Very, very cool. Yeah, and they're out on the road right now, I believe. Yeah, they're going to be playing down my way. They've got a new venue at, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Fillmore. They're opening a Fillmore in Silver Spring down the street. Hmm. Well, you may have to show up there. Yeah. yeah. So this one here, this is off the first album, which is Raw crazy, engineered by Jack Douglas of uh, Aerosmith and John Lennon's name. Mm. Did a great job just capturing the band exactly as they should be. And this is a lovely little ditty called He's a Whore. He is. Okay, so we're going to go to some cheap trick. John Gallagher of Raven is my guest DJ for today. And we'll be back oh, in just a yes. little bit. We're back with John Gallagher. And, hello, uh, hello, hello, hello. Is there any one single inspiration that you want to uh, 
to mention. I don't and and you know you're doing a playlist here, and you're playing a lot of music that that has history for you. Um, and I don't know if any of these are more appropriate or not, or just you know one experience that stands out for you that that really had you decide to to form a band or or knew that that was your direction in life. Uh, I mean, a lot of these did definitely soundtrack of us, you know, forming a band, putting our whole musical identity together. You know, either beg, borrowing or stealing from all of these people and making our own thing out of it. We used to go to the Mayfair, they used to have a heavy metal disco, and we'd all be air guitaring and headbanging for like four or five hours a night. And we'd do this every week. It's, you know, we'd be rehearsing with our band and playing shows and then as it went on, of course, more and more we'd be playing on the weekend and not being able to see some of these shows, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the price you pay. But uh, a lot of, like this Pat Travers track, Hooked on Music, you just heard there. Mm-hmm. So then they opened up for Journey. Journey came over, I guess Steve Perry hadn't been with them very long. They had their uh, lights and they had Wheel in the Sky and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, Pat Travers was the first band on and they just blew them off the planet. <laughs> Unbelievable. Tommy Aldridge on drums at the peak of his powers. Oh, yeah. Miles Cowling, killer bass player, and Pat, Pat Travers, you know, unique guitar players. And uh, it was just smoking. Long before they trashed themselves on cocaine, I think, but they were doing great right then. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> we were all too young and naive to hear of any of those things back then. Oh, I just thought, the next time I saw Pat Travers, I thought he had a bad cold. Oh. <laughs> so he was out of his mind on drugs. <laughs> oh yeah, that is, some people hide it well, and some people don't necessarily go there, and I know, every yeah, so often you hear about something and, and it's I'm not... I'm the rarity, I'm the rarity, I come from Newcastle, the, uh, the most alcoholic city in, in England, which is saying something, mm. and I really don't drink. Wow. So never mind anything else, so, not even that. So I'm, I'm, I'm the weirdo. No, that's okay. If it's if if John Gallagher is the weirdo, worked, I'm all for out, weirdos. Works out well for me. At least uh, I still have my hair and I can sing. So there you go. Exactly, I, and that's. I see everyone I grew up with, and I'm I'm sure there's something to do with a beard. Everyone I knew I grew up with bald. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and I do have to mention I I was lucky enough to be on the cruise, the seventy thousand tons cruise in January, and you guys were phenomenal. And you know, it's, it's, it had been a number of years since I had seen you, and and it didn't really seem like it had been a long time. You know, you guys got on stage and just really killed. And John Gallagher does have his voice and does hit the notes. You know, and that's especially bands that do sort of the higher, holding the longer notes here and there. It's like, you know, when you see a band that's that has been around for as long as you guys have been, everybody kind of winces before, like, there's that note. You know, it's like, oh, is he going to do it? It's like, oh. Is he going to do it? Exactly. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of... a lot Always of disappointing when they don't, so I, I, I aim, please. Yeah, you do. You're super talented, and, and the shows were great. The next thing that you have up is also off of a live record. And, uh, and actually, you know, a lot of things on this playlist you did choose are from live. I... I'd gravitate towards that usually because it's especially back then the live albums were real and 
that was the measure of a band. It's like, yeah, anyone can you know, paint a picture if you're given enough time and enough brush strokes, but what, what can you pull off on the spur of the moment? You know, it's not for me to have a band or hate listening to a band that just completely recreates what they've done in the studio. Like, I've learned the solo I play, and I play the same one every night. That's just utterly boring, makes no sense. It's not organic at all. Right. So when you hear a version where they took what they did as its starting point and then take it, take it forward from there, that's exciting. That's always interesting. And that's the way it should be. Yeah, and I, and I love that you are choosing a lot of live live performances uh, for the listeners to hear. So the uh, the next one. What we got here? Uh, I think we got UK. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit more of the prog type of thing coming in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was always a big fan of you know Yes, Genesis, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and all that stuff. And this was a band that was formed. Yes, uh, Bill Bruford was in the band originally and Alan Oldsworth was an amazing guitar player uh, Eddie Jobson who was a teenage prodigy and was in Curved Air and Roxy Music when he was like 17, 18 years old Yeah. John Wetton who's a wonderful bass player singer who's been in King Crimson family a whole bunch of bands uh, this was from the third album which was a live record and uh, they got Terry Bozio the American drummer who was in Missing Persons mm-hmm. and they've just gone as a three piece uh, it's a killer live record and this is an example of uh, a heavy song with no guitar this is all electric violin oh wow and the guy's insane Eddie Jobs super talented guy Palace yes so we're going to listen to some UK please stay tuned this one's called Caesar's Palace Blues And my guest is John Gallagher of Raven, and he is picking the tunes today. We just heard from Yes. Parallels, yeah, that's uh, on the, going for the one album, the one with the unfortunate naked man on the front cover. Nah. Scare everybody off. Uh, yes, I love Yes, they're just such a wacky band. Uh, Chris Squire, great bass player, great choice of notes. And it's always, you know, three or four things going on at once, the way they arrange the music. I always kick myself, I never got to see them live. Maybe one of these days. <laughs> they are, but it's, it's so whacked. They had Rick Wakeman's son was playing keyboards with them, and apparently he's not anymore. And then John Anderson was sick, and they got some guy from a cover band singing, and apparently he's still singing with them. Interesting. Yeah, because I was I was in England and uh, Rick Wakeman was playing solo in Bath in the uh, uh, in the cathedral, and I was oh, there wow. I was there the day after, but there were still posters all over the place. Wow. But uh, yeah, and it's a beautiful cathedral. It probably would have been very interesting, you know, just to see. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's right. a comedian as well, literally. He is. 
you just stand up. Yeah, go check it out on YouTube. He'll kill you. Really? Rick Wakeman's a comedian? All right. We, we, here's one of his jokes, all right? He did this whole thing he was talking about. Is it clean? Um, it's clean. Okay. <laughs> my wife, my wife, she hates me. The last time I talked to my wife, she asked me to open the door for her. I just turned around and swam up to the surface. Open the car door for her. Oh. Did I ruin it that badly? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure if I got that. <laughs> yeah, you have to leave that for the, for the listeners to judge. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, I'm sure I'll get some comments on the... Uh... <laughs> wow, I had no idea that Rick Wakeman was a comedian. Now that's something we're going to have to go. I'm going to have to try to find that. Maybe I'll try to play... Yeah, apparently did some TV show in England called Grumpy Old Men, where they would be mourning about everyday offense, which is really silly. Hmm. But, uh, yes. And, and how yeah. often do you go back to England? Uh, not as often as I'd like. Hmm. Uh, I don't have any family there really anymore. Uh, both my parents passed away, my sister moved to South Africa. Wow. Uh, so... You know, last time we were over there was 2008. Hopefully we can get back. It's always fun to play there, but it's, it's tough at the minute. They're going through some really bad economic times. Yeah, they certainly are. Yeah. You just heard about all the riots and that. And how, I mean, and you look at that, What it, I mean, what goes through your head having come from that? happens back when we were kids. I mean, we wrote songs about it on, like, our second, third album. Like, you know, Bring the Hammer Down is all about riots riots in Liverpool, Manchester, London back in the gate, 182. Uh, it's just frustration. People not having any jobs, not having any money. And there's usually some event like a uh, policeman shoots somebody and boom, they just use it as an excuse to you know, go nuts. Oh. And it's, you know, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. A lot, a lot harder than people know. I mean, the cost of living is very high and the wages are very low, so it's, it's tough to make up. So it's kind of like you're just starting behind the eight ball. Yep, that's right. Well, it's got to be a difficult way to grow up in terms of, you know, uh, almost not being able to real to realize or to picture a future. Yeah, when you were talking about the, the you know, when you, when you have kids over here and you see about the, the problems they go through school where there's all these clips, the rich kids and the poor kids and the goths and the emos and the stoners and all this stuff. When we were kids, everyone was the same. There wasn't any rich kids. Mm -hmm. There was maybe a poor kid or two that were more, you know, far worse off than everyone else. There wasn't any of those kids at all. And it, it's just really strange because everyone came from literally the same background. They were all living in the same kind of house and the parents all had the same kind of job. Right. They were all working in a factory. So really, the only way out of that was to play football, you know, soccer, mm -hmm. or to play music. That was it. My impression of what you've been talking about is all this live stuff is that music was really just in your blood. It wasn't necessarily for an escape. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just something that uh, pretty early on. You just I had just to remember do. Me, I remember my dad had an acoustic guitar sitting in a closet and I'd, I'd pull it out and it was then transpired just when I was like three or four. And I'd always get told off and told to leave it alone, but I'd always end up pulling it out. I remember seeing the Beatles when we were kids on TV and me and my brother 
fashion. So we had a little drumstick system fashion around with the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So it wasn't until we went on holiday to Spain in like 1971 or 72 or something. Yeah, it wasn't until like 1972, I think it was, when we went on holiday to Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my brother got an acoustic guitar guitar, and we just started playing that and learning from that and then bothering my parents. We want guitars for Christmas, we want guitars for Christmas. Ah. And they lashed out and bought a you know, cheap electric guitar and a cheap electric bass and that was it. From then on out we were we were ruined. <laughs> <laughs> History. Yeah. That's great. The neighbor hated us <laughs> let me tell you. Oh I'm sure, yeah. And did they ever ask you to stop playing music at a particular point, or was anybody, you know, trying to move somebody in or have somebody look at a house? There, and there used to be a tape from because uh, we used to have the drums in the front room of the house and everything, which was completely insane. And our drummer never showed up once, so we started playing around, playing fake punk rock, making a horrible racket. And all of a sudden, two guys came to the door who were working night shift and wanted to kill us. Oh. And we had all this on cassette tape. I wish I still had it. They, they were literally threatening to kill us. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you survived. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And then I wanted to just ask you personally, are there any newer bands that you uh, that you like now? Like, what do you listen to currently? Uh, I try to, tonight I get a little discouraged listening to a lot of the rock bands, but they all sound the same later. Especially the one doing the Cookie Monster stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear stuff from, you know, like Avenged Sevenfold. The Mime's going here. I'm trying to remember the name of the band. I mean, geez. Obviously, I, I, I love Muse out of England. I think they're great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the nearest thing you could have to something like Queen, where it's just multifaceted. But they've got the other thing of uh, uh, Mark Bellamy's out of his mind and loves making a noise, which I love. They go crazy at the end of the show as they smash everything up and jam out and go nuts. I, I love those guys. Trivium, I'm getting interested in. They're pretty cool. They've got a lot of good stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's great just seeing a lot of the bands from my era uh, stepping it up and still kicking it out. Uh, you know, we saw Iron Maiden a few months ago, and Bruce Dickinson sings better than ever. And he's got more energy than just about everybody else put together. Yeah, they're uh, always an amazing really, show. Really, really impressed by him. He did a wonderful job. Kick ass, big time. Do you want to talk about the next thing we've got coming up? Yeah, this is uh, what we've got here. We've got uh, Soundgarden, 4th mm. July. I love Soundgarden out of the whole grunge thing because they were an unashamed rock band with a classic rock singer and weird time signatures uh, you know they they were afraid to push the envelope and still keep it heavy and they're playing again I got to see them a few weeks back and they were great oh cool really great and they played all the weird old songs like stuff like Beyond the Wheel stuff like Louder was it Loud Love the mm-hmm. text really big and they played this song as well, it's a song called 4th of July, which is just ridiculously heavy, right out of the Black Sabbath song. My guest DJ for today is John Gallagher of Raven, and we're going to hear some Soundgarden now. Please stay tuned.
John Gallagher, are you still there? No, I'm still here, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, thanks for all the uh, the programming. Let's just talk about the last the last thing that we just heard. Yeah, it was Stockholm Syndrome by Muse, a band I just got into quite recently. Happened to be watching some TV thing, and it was a bit of one of their live concerts. It was a couple of years back, and I was just knocked out. Especially the fact that the guitar player and drummer jumped up in the air, and both of them landed on top of the drums at the end. That was <laughs> rather insane. I hadn't seen that happen for a while. Not since uh, Raven. Yeah, not since our last show, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, like I say, Kindred Spirits, another bunch of lunatics. So, they they pull out some interesting musical tricks, a little bit of classical. It's like a classical orchestra meets Nirvana from hell. Mm. Always, always fun. So, it's it's great to see them cracking America and, and uh, waving the British flag. It's great to see a, a good British band do well for a change instead of the crappy ones we usually see these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it depends on where you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you did call them lunatics. I do just want to mention, isn't your website uh, ravenlunatics.com? www.ravenlunatics.com, indeed. And we have a Facebook page up. And, you know, check it out. There's a bunch of uh, links for videos, photographs. You know, send us messages. Send us money, send us socks, what have you. Um, <laughs> clean socks. This to what, yeah, clean, well, cleaner than what we've got on anyway. That'll, that'll be bad. <laughs> uh, we, you know, keep everyone posted as to what's going on. Like I said, we're doing these shows in Italy in October, doing Spain in November, and be looking to do some uh, more stuff early next year, but currently we're writing in a writing binge, got a whole bunch of songs out there. I've got my stuff together, I need to put it through the Raven Ringer and let everyone put their 10 cents in once we start making the pirate one-leg jokes about my brother. Once we stop doing about that, it'll be fine and he might a little bit in there. You mean, oh. you mean like peg-leg jokes? Exactly, the peg-leg man. Yeah. Buy him a parrot for his shoulder, put that on. <laughs> and well on his guitar strap, for a nice big parrot on it. <laughs> He's uh, supposedly in his dungeon working on a DVD because we have a lot of uh, old footage with stuff from like 83 onwards. Oh, wow. Uh, live in and out of the studio and it's this nasty big project that we really need to do is a lot of people want to check this stuff out. And Absolutely. You know, we've, we've kind of dabbled with it before. We did a thing called Electroshock Therapy, which I know it's going to be coming out and be on DVD probably and it's like uh, which is a lot of fun, live stuff from uh, what we did in 1991 with a lot of backstage playing around. Take the format from that electroshock therapy and just expand it on, on the, the current thing we're working on. But uh, like I said, we've got stuff from uh, what we did with Metallica in 83. Wow. Uh, what they did with us. <laughs> yeah. Like, there you go. Uh, and recording everything louder, recording, nothing exceeds, recording one for all, mm. uh, and just lots, we got a whole bunch of stuff when Mark first came back after having his uh, operations and recovering from actually in the wheelchair. Wow. In the wheelchair, and then we got all kinds of interesting odds and sorts. So <sighs> once that's all put together, we'll let everyone know and get that out of them. Super. Oh, that's great. 
and I'm sure yeah that sounds really really neat very good well it's great that uh, it's great to be able to check in with you and uh, to, to see what's going on in the definitely and uh, for everyone out there again as usual thanks for your support and we hope to see you all soon yeah and just thank you very much for taking the time out to prepare and for having your your space open for this you know for this phone call and all that and just for what you've really contributed to music i mean raven early on i mean there there's a lot of bands that are out there now that would not be playing if it weren't for you guys you know it's all it's all awful is it great <laughs> <laughs> I was not no, trying no, to come from great. blame, but you know, yeah. <laughs> a, l- a little bit more of an honor thing I was trying to go for there. But uh, I know that, <laughs> and we do. When we do, we do hear that these days. When we do these European festivals, a lot of people come up to us, and you know, Doro, uh, you know, the Creator guys, Sodom. Oh yeah. There was this one. There was this one show we did in '83 in Germany. And there were like five bands started after it. I think. Mean, so. Hmm. <laughs> TV from Rage, his guys, all, all these guys started a band after this one show. Wow, that's so great. And it's great to be able to have you sort of sit here and, and play some, some music that was inspirational to you when you've been inspirational to so many. That's, that's, where, that's where it all came from. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. John Gallagher, thank you very much. Again, the, uh, the website is ravenlunatics.com, and uh, hopefully we'll be hearing more from you guys soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, John. Thanks a lot. And that wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the other background work. We are WFMU.